Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Q&A Quest here on Final Fantasy 15 Eve. Uh, although Eve yeah, for most people. Yeah. We'll pretend that means most people, yeah. Yes. Well, anyway. Uh, so this is going to be a relatively, relatively brief episode because we are somewhat light on questions and I'm also getting over a bad cold, so my voice will likely not hold out for super long. So We're going to put that to the test. Yes, most likely, because when we say, let's do a short episode, that rarely ever happens. I don't think it's ever happened, actually. It, uh, it has not. I think... When we were running with like the original idea to do like half an hour episodes, that lasted for a bit, and then we did some longer ones that people liked, and then we were kind of that, that was like the end of it. And then both of us are already prone to just absurd verbosities. So. Yeah, so that put it put the end to that. All right, so Budai asks, "Is it odd that Dragon Quest XI is getting a console and portable version?" Do you feel this has anything to do with Western markets or just Square trying to push Japanese fans into buying a PS4? It's probably much more the latter. They don't care about the West for Dragon Quest. Like, they might localize the Dragon Quests, like they like to occasionally, but it's also a situation where it's like they wouldn't commission a much more expensive version for the sake of the West on a, on a franchise the West doesn't care about. Yeah, it seems to me like um, you know they're trying to hit every possible fan in Japan, I guess, because it's supposed to come out for the Switch too. So they're kind of, I guess, they're trying to jump in on that as well. Just gonna buy that version. Can I just buy that version? Just yeah. Can I just buy a Switch now? Can no, I do that? It's probably gonna get NES Classic Edition. Oh my God! What if they what it, what if they put out Final Fantasy 15 on the Switch? Shut up. Oh my God. Can't get it on anything uh, right now because... Right. Hey, viewers, pay attention to my Twitter feed if you want to see what happens when someone is irritated and having to uh, discuss discuss with customer service what release day delivery means. <laughs> I've done that before. Oh, brief aside. I've done that before, and like the best I could do is get them to apologize. Like we're sorry for. I don't want to make some poor customer service drone apologize. I want them to refund me the money I paid for the speedy shipping that they didn't do. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I went through the whole thing, and you know they like apologized profusely for the delay, and then it just showed up on release day, and I felt bad. <laughs> like it, like I'm gonna give them until tomorrow. If it, if it's a problem with their website, I will be shocked that they're that disorganized. But. Uh. Yeah. Let's not go into this because it's not relevant to people's interests. <laughs> well, I mean, it can be sometimes because I, I don't think we're the only ones that have ever run into this. It it happens. Cer- certainly not, but people don't yeah. want to hear about my particular issues. Sure. Uh, but yeah, in general, uh, sometimes things like that work out. Sometimes they don't. I've had, I had an issue the other day where something was supposed to arrive on Saturday and did not and seemed to be in limbo and then showed up the next day and was like that's bizarre I'm uh, sure that everyone has at least one bad shipping story my personal favorite was Tomb Raider 2013 like winged its way across the country twice before reaching me that is strange <laughs> <laughs> like it went up it went 
very close. Like it went to like California, and then like it went backwards to like one of those like a Midwest state, like Michigan or something, and when finally came back, it was very strange. Like two weeks ago, it, I f- like it made sense that it was taking so long. It took like two weeks to get here. It was very strange. <laughs> it's weird. Like two weeks ago, I found a bag of packages on the side of my driveway, like halfway down. Don't you just love it when, like, the person who's delivering just obviously doesn't give a shit? It's yeah, like, and see, whatever. I have a, I have, we have like a shared driveway, so, and that's technically not even my property, so it's a little effed up. I don't understand what a shared driveway is. Like, mm. it's one of them. I don't know which one it is. Whatever. Whatever. The house is supposed to be here somewhere. We'll find it. Maybe. Probably. And I did, okay. I guess, but... The problem is that you validated them. Yeah. The problem is, also, I didn't complain about this one this time, because I just didn't have the energy. It's a dead man's this, party. This, no, this was not the first incident, because twice before, packages had been left hanging from a tree branch. Okay, that's that's the sort of thing where, like, you call and say, no, please, do not put them on a freaking tree branch that's liable to damage something. Oh, yeah, and I complained through Amazon because I figured that would be more likely to get It would come down from done. the top down. Right, right. And, well, I guess uh, these were too heavy to hang from a tree, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is getting yeah. pretty... Hey, you guys want to hear more about bad shipping stories? I'm sure that we've both got a few, so... You know. Yeah, and, and I don't want to... And before I make it sound like uh, any of the shipping services is particularly bad, this kind of just happens. Uh, I, I don't really know why, unless you find the particular shipping person and ask them, but uh, I don't think any of the shipping services are actually particularly bad. It just, you know, this stuff can happen. We we order enough that it's like statistically occasionally you're just going to have a bad experience. Exactly. Exactly. Like I could also counter it with like experiences like that time that I ordered all three seasons of Arrested Development from Amazon like way back in like 07 and they arrived before the earliest possible shipping date. Mm. That was the weirdest thing in the world. <sighs> that was when I learned that I'm conveniently like a couple hundred miles from a shipping center, so it takes nice. a day for anything to get here if they have it at that shipping center. Well, I think Amazon recently opened one near me, so I've been kind of lucky in that regard. And, you know, I, I... So I had a package that was scheduled to be delivered tomorrow. I wonder what that could be. But I already had stuff coming from UPS today, and they were supposed to deliver that package to be delivered tomorrow to the post office and instead they just delivered it to my house because they were already going there so yeah which is pretty cool not something i even definitely not jealous at all of whatever you got yeah anyway uh what what the hell were we talking about again <laughs> uh, i think dragon i don't know I was, I was so like lost in rage yes <laughs> dragon quest 11 yeah i I, like the the bigger issue is going to be that the PS4 and Switch versions probably much more expensive to make. Yeah. So it's it's definitely an attempt to drive console sales. Yeah, and it's I kind of remember I vaguely remember something about Yuji Horii or someone else having like a desire to do like a home, a like a home console 
Dragon Quest again or something like that. So I don't know if anything I, like that just kind of drove that. I would imagine there's there is some internal pressure from Square that like well not just Square but NX that like you know this is a big prestige franchise that like you want and there is like also just the nature of like everyone who worked on who works on it who's a key player in it has been in the industry for literally decades yeah and it's probably reasonably interested in like making sure that it is a relevant force on the cutting edge of game development yeah um so we'll have to see how you know the whole 3ds and the hd versions how the the economy works there it's gonna be interesting to see uh, but, you know, having the 3DS version, it definitely seems like a safe bet. Yeah, yeah, like, the the 3DS version exists because, regardless of any other versions, that version will succeed wildly, so... <clears throat> yeah, and I, it doesn't seem like Nintendo, in any, at least, is in any quick hurry to get rid of the 3DS... This is not like uh, this is not like the Wii U's treatment of getting like the comical vaudeville hook off the stage. Like <laughs> the 3DS is going to continue existing until the it has either been entirely displaced by the Switch or like something has gone horribly wrong for Nintendo as a whole. Yeah, and I honestly I'm not sure it will even entirely dis be displaced by the Switch. Well, it's, I, it's worth noting that by the time the Switch comes out, the 3DS will be six years old. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I can see kind of a continuing market there for niche titles, yeah, like, kids' titles, things like that. Yeah, well, it's it's like how, uh, I believe, what year did Frozen come out? Um, 2012? Something like that. The One of the ten best-selling games of the year in America in 2013 was the DS version. <laughs> Yeah, that would make sense. It's one of those situations where it's like, those, like, it that that system will likely persist in, in like, fire sale cheap form for at least a few more years. Yeah. And, like, we'll see, it, it's really just a question of, like, what developers stick with it and which ones move on to other systems. Yeah. Do they go mobile? Do they go Switch? Do they go console? Yeah, it's just yeah. So the 3DS version is probably the version they consider to be the primary version, and the other two are them like trying to like make sure that their other titles will have healthier platforms to launch on. Yeah. And you know, kind of looking at the the future of portable gaming in general, it seems kind of a little up in the air. You know, we got the Switch, which is nice. The 3DS will last for a little bit longer, and it's kind of, you know, if the Switch doesn't necessarily catch on, you know, where does it go from there? Are we all going to have yeah. to if, if suck the it up catch, and If the Switch doesn't phone? catch on, yeah, if the Switch doesn't catch on, like, it's phones forever in terms uh, of portable gaming. Yeah, you know, grumble, grumble. Yeah, like, please purchase something with a button so that I can not have to play things that yes. have no buttons. That make me feel like garbage every time I'm playing on them. Save the buttons. Or, I guess, make a phone with buttons. They, I don't think anyone's ever going to make a phone with buttons. Yeah, and, and screw that, honestly. I don't wanna... a- Apple is very interested in making fake buttons now. 
I know you guys don't like. I know you guys are fine with the buttons that exist on our iPhones. But what if? And let me let me run this past you. What if we made a fake button and had a haptic feedback rumble when you pushed it? Uh, eh? That doing anything for you? Eh? About as much as removing the headphone port. You love it. You love that. Li- <laughs> you love that lightning port that nothing plugs into except things they make. Leave your body and soul out the door. That that company is really really missing Steve Jobs. That company is uh like like Steve Jobs was not a man who was against the idea of getting really proprietary for re- very little reason, but at the same time like within it's reason, not, it's it's not doing enough to justify going proprietary in every yeah. direction. Yeah, well um. I think a lot of people compared it to oh when Apple got rid of like CD-ROM drives and computers, but we were ready for that. Like, like it was time. Like, it's think not about the really time that, to just dump the headphone port. <laughs> think about the fact that people like, like, like people there was there were things that people were using instead of CDs. Right. Like, whereas there's there's nothing that people use for headphones other than like occasionally wireless headphones but those never caught on because people don't really want super expensive headphones because headphones break and get lost a lot exactly like unless you're like an audio a crazy audiophile who devotes a lot of their budget to it most people just want to be able to get really cheap headphones yeah and and most people want to get rid of cds because honestly they're kind of annoying they they break a lot remember that thing about breaking a lot (laughs) but uh yeah they're annoying yeah it, it was also just a case of like like we've been moving towards digital for that sort of thing for a long time and the PC's the PC space has been moving towards that much faster than anything else right like like think about like just even the way that like the the blu-ray quote unquote won the HD format wars but only in the sense that it was a physical format that lost to the existence of digital formats yeah like they're still trying to like it's it's the last archivist's format. It's the last format for like people that are like, yes, I want to purchase something and keep it forever. But like, name a human being that like isn't into media as a whole who's buying 4K Blu-rays. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah. honestly, most Blu-rays, it's like, oh, it includes DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. Yeah, like, it's a situation where it's, like, Trojan Horse, like, if you're going to sell a physical copy, sell in as many formats as possible, including a digital one, so that's, like, you'll, they'll buy it for one of them. It's, it doesn't matter which. It honestly kind of seems like it's just saying, please buy this package. Please purchase we'll this movie in some fashion. Yes. Like, it almost exists just because, like, and this is the issue that I think, like, Digital is going to run into, and we have gone so far afield of this question. I'm no, sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but going. like, but like, I feel like half the time some things are staying on physical media, not because it they do much there, but because it forces you to look at them sometimes. Yeah. Like you're walking through a store and you will see it, and that forces you to be aware that it happened, and that brings that gives it more mind space than just. Oh, Netflix has seven thousand movies, and I don't know what any of half of these are, and some of them don't even exist on shelves. And those are the ones Netflix is pushing to you because those are the ones Netflix made. Right. 
Um, I don't care what movies you watch. Netflix wants you to know that you should be watching this Adam Sandler movie they funded. They also sell those on DVD, by the way. They do? They do, yeah. I I did not even realize uh, that. I'm almost positive you can get, like, older seasons of House of Cards on DVD. That makes sense, I suppose. But, uh, or, like, I'm sure that one day there will probably be a way to purchase, like, I don't know, new Voltron, but, like... Netflix is probably going to recommend that to you if you've ever watched a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, for me, the only reason I'm really buying anything physical is just if kind of the access- accessibility of the digital versions kind of sucks. Like, I would yeah. I would love to buy seasons of, like, Yokai Watch because watching it in, like, on the Disney XD website kind of blows. Yeah, like... <laughs> We're moving towards like this economy where like the version that you buy is the version that is the least irritating to get. Yeah. Like that, that's where that's where like digital versions manage to combat piracy is just being so immediate that you'll pay for convenience. Yeah. I think one show I really like having on digital is uh and without any commercials or any other annoyances is adventure time. Because they're like, they're, <laughs> they're very short. They're you know they're like twelve minute episodes, yeah. and that's really nice to have like on Amazon streaming because you can just fire up an ep- episode, you know, watch it real quick. Yeah, it's it's not something like immediacy behooves short form media because mm. it's just like the whole point of this is I'm not devoting a lot of time to it, so it shouldn't take me long to boot it up. Exactly. It's like, uh, the other thing I think that keeps me attached to physical media at this point is just, like, all of my consoles have 500 gigabyte hard drives. A game on them is usually 50 gigabytes before anything to do with all of the ludicrously sized patches that are applied on top of it. So it's just a case of, like, I would like to be able to install it from a disc where it'll take 20 minutes instead Mm. of, like, downloading it again, in which case it'll take two hours. Yeah. And that that's really the problem with the Vita for me is, you know, there's been a lot of digital-only games. And it's like, that has extremely limited storage space. So I, I want... Think you can, I think the largest thing you can do is you can import a 64-gig SD card for, yeah. quote-unquote SD card, for, like, the single most, like, exorbitant price imaginable. I think that, that, 64, that 64 gigs is going to cost you, like, $100. Yeah, and most of the before games... Any sort of are not small, so... Like, like the, the the bonus to Vita games is that they are usually smaller than console games, but they're still usually at least three or four gigs. Yeah. And, like, at that point, it's just like, oh my god. Like, I have a 16 gigabyte stick. I'm not buying a bigger one. They're too expensive. They're, like, kind of hard to get hold of nowadays. Like, you're gonna have to actually go look, scouting for one, and it's gonna have to be at a specialty retailer, and... You're going to pay way too much for it. Like, I'm going to go look at what the cost of an actual 64 gig SD card is. Yeah. A micro SD, because that is the comparable one. Yeah. Didn't someone like claim they had a uh, a Vita to micro SD adapter working at some stage? Maybe, and not that I've really heard. Um, but I really think a lot of these issues are what's keeping physical media, at least on the games front, very present. A 64 gigabyte micro SD card is $22. 
Or we can get a 64. I'm going to go look at the price of a 64 gigabyte media card. You, like, you keep talking. Okay. I was going to say, like, I'm remembering the whole backlash to the Xbox One. I remember seeing a lot of game developers uh, that didn't really seem to get the issue. Like, seriously mm-hmm. did not seem to conceptualize what a lot of, you know, consumers are complaining about. They're like, oh, we want to save you from, like, the ridiculous used game ripoff. Like, it's not just about used games. It's <laughs> it's about everything that comes with like having no real control over what some one like what you have purchased. Right, and, and it's and it's about a lot of the issues with digital that people don't seem to some people don't seem to accept. Like some people have terrible internet connections. Some people have regularly intermittent inter- like there are parts of this country where you cannot get broadband yeah they're and, like they're small and generally like like rural enough that they are associated with people that are quite poor but it's a situation where like you can't get broadband no like internet provider has sees enough money in actually expending the money to make infrastructure there so no internet provider is going to expand into those areas yeah those people are permanently hosed by digital media and if you were, if you have like just terrible broadband, and you know you weren't able to meet the Xbox One's 24-hour check, then you'd be shit out of luck. And or hey, let's say that like <coughs> my internet goes out because something happened at my like provider, and then it's just gone for a day, and it's like, oh, I'd like to do something while my internet is down. Well, I guess I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it it was kind of trying to put the. Uh, What's the expression? Cart before the horse? It's putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Let's all think about horse-drawn carriages for a moment. Yeah. And recontextualize this metaphor. <laughs> if we get to the point where, you know, there's super-fast wireless internet, like you have on your phone, basically everywhere, then sure. <laughs> uh, infrastructure, my boy. Yeah, infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure, so... Physical media is not really going anywhere. They don't have the infrastructure. No one wants to spend money on the infrastructure. So we're sort of stuck in this holding pattern where certain parts of the country, like digital is just everywhere. And certain parts of the country, like this is a very America-centric answer, but certain parts of the country is just nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I think the one physical media that I think many thought would go away the quickest, the CD, is still around. (laughs) It somehow hasn't died. In fact, it, like its biggest competition at this point, aside from digital, which like songs get away with it because songs are small enough that even if your internet connection is bad, you can still reasonably download an album. Like even on dial-up, you would be looking at like a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, the other thing I would like to point out: uh, a sixty-four gigabyte Vita memory card is a hundred and six dollars. Uh, and I was just going to say, not only are CDs still around, but uh, vinyl... Has vinyl made... is somehow coming back. <laughs> Figure that one out. Uh, it's it's a combination of, like, the sort of person who is buying a... who's still, still buying physical music, because that is the thing where, like, digital versions have completely displaced physical because there's like a song is three minutes it's small even like even lossless it's not going to be a huge download people don't usually download albums they download songs so no matter how bad your internet connection is you can still uh probably download a song yeah 
But the thing is, people who are buying physical media are going to try to buy deluxe physical media. Mm. So usually you'll get vinyls that come with a download code for a lossless audio format and giant, like, nice artwork and liner notes, like, because you can just fit more of that on a vinyl case. Like, if you want the nice album art, if you want, like, the version of the album that, because of the nature of how vinyl works, you can't physically make certain, like, uh, people that are really into, like, audio tend to get really pissed off about, uh, like, uh, I'm trying to remember what the term for it is, but, like, essentially the the uh, crunching of audio together so that, like, it all fits in a fairly uniform amount of loudness. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, people, that's, it's not physically possible to do that to a vinyl. <laughs> Uh, dynamic range, that is the phrase. The loss of dynamic range. But yeah, like, that that's one of the other reasons that, like, audio files, self-described audio files tend to go for vinyl. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's a multitude of factors, but it is interesting to see the resurgence of what was well and truly a dead format for a long time. Yeah. But it is instructive to note that, like, a dead format came back but it wasn't but there's a lot of dead formats that won't be coming back haven't come back and won't be coming back like you're never going to see another four track player and no I don't mean an eight track player I mean a four track player (laughs) (coughs) so what you're saying is uh, we won't see new games on NES carts you will from boutique publishers hmm I mean, like, people still manufacture NES games occasionally just because they can. Like, I remember, like, six or so years ago, there's, like, Battle Kid and the Fortress of Terror. Nice. They made actual NES cards of that. Speaking of which, but, I was just going to say that, like, retro physical copies of games seem to be pretty chic right now. Yeah, there's, there's a horrifying, like, bubble going on with those, like, just... I'm not sure when or if the bubble will burst outside of, like, an actual, like, monetary recession that forces people to just stop spending that kind of money on something that frivolous. But, <laughs> and I say this as someone who collects a lot of frivol- frivolous objects, but let's be real, like, the the most frivolous thing is really old video games. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> but, like, you know... There's like let's let's all talk about the poor U.S. Turbo Graphics collectors that are trying to all source the five copies of Magical Chase. <laughs> you know about this, Wheels? No. So Magical Chase is one of, if not the last things that TTI, the company that was sort of spun off from NEC and uh, NEC's American branch to market the Turbo in its waning years. Uh, one of the last games they released on like Q Card. It's a cute little shooter in Japan. It's pretty rare. It's you'll be running like a hundred bucks in America for a box copy. You're running over a thousand. Jeez. Like because it's the last game that most people that are trying to collect every Turbo Graphics game need. It's like oh, one of those like seven box copies of Magical Chase that's floating around. Nice. But like even even games that by all rights aren't terribly rare because of the existence of like this belief in like oh old games become rare 
there is like this willingness to just sort of slowly elevate the prices of even things that shouldn't actually be that hard to find. <laughs> like I remember hearing about some guy that bought like every Game Boy copy of Rampart he could. And like just sort of like watched as they slowly got more expensive, even though Rampart is not a hard game to get hold of. Like <laughs> he started and they were like four dollars, he stopped and they were about twenty. Interesting. It's just like there, there is this assumption that like, oh, it's old. It's probably hard to get. I'll pay this eBay price. I want it. Give me this weird old Game Boy Game. Boy game. <laughs> it's not even Euphoria. You don't even know. Uh, sorry, we we went far afield with question and just talked about the ephemera of digital of physical media. Yeah, that's fine. It's all good. All right. It's all good. <coughs> all right, let me see what other questions we got here. We got something from Gaijin. Oh, good. It says, I don't know when next I can be on, so here's a question. What is the most questionable moment you have experienced in a regular game? I'm talking about something, a joke, an image, or a situation that made you wonder what the F the devs were thinking when they included it. Games whose entire premise or aesthetic are based on things people might find questionable. Example, Criminal Girls, Monsters, Mo Monster, Mon Piece, much of the compile heart opus are included here. We're talking about games that were relatively inoffensive or even uh, anodyne? What does that mean? Anodyne. Anodyne basically just means completely, like, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. It's, it's Ex except for this one glaring exception, in your opinion. Uh, well, I was just playing Lunar 2, and that had multiple <laughs> bat scenes. Um, but that's that's more something I would just chalk up to. This game is aimed at teenagevoice.wmv. Um, let's see. Uh, that's the thing. I don't play a lot of things where it's a situation where it's like... What's this doing in here? Because, like, I'm usually pretty informed on, like, what's going to be in a game before I boot it up. Huh. Like, there's a lot of situations that I'm sure I'm not thinking of, but... You got any, Wills? Oh, uh, nothing's coming right off the top of my head. <coughs> Like, I feel like, ultimately, whenever I whenever I see that sort of thing, I start thinking about, like, okay, bearing in mind that as far as the marketers are concerned, I'm too old for this. Now, what does this mean to the people who are who are young enough for it to matter to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose, like, anything to do with a Pokedex entry in Pokemon kind of raises some eyebrows, because, like, a lot of them are just, like, bafflingly horrifying. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, Shedinja. They say that if you look into its back, it steals your soul. Mm. And, like, that's the, you know, some of them are just like that, where it's just like, oh, that's that's a creepy thing that, like, you know, it just sounds like an urban legend. But then sometimes it's like, oh, and this thing, like, there there are, uh, you, I think one of the ones in Sun and Moon, like, apparently there's a Pokedex entry that's like, oh, you can see bits of Pokemon that it's eaten just in trails behind it. <laughs> it's just like uh wow that's a little brutal <laughs> yeah like 
you find those sorts of things in like things that are aimed at kids that like have periphery audiences of much older people where it's like they'll put something in there that's like sort of a uh, kids won't think too hard about this and adults will think why is this in a kids game ha 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 <laughs> uh i think f- at least at the time i originally played it final fantasy 7 the whole the entire plot <laughs> uh no i was talking specifically about the whole part where Cloud... manor yep yep yeah. yeah, like I, I legit like it, I was what they were counting on. I looked at it and I could not make heads or tails of what was going on, so I didn't pay it much attention. <laughs> so like it never occurred to me that like oh, Cloud just got sexually assaulted by a bunch of big bodybuilders, or oh, every single thing that's happening in here is like a super questionable like there. This is a brothel, and they're hinting at a lot of things that happen in brothels here, and this is ostensibly like you know. I've, this is a game that you would not otherwise be that concerned about showing to a child. Yeah. And then you get to Honeybee Manor, and it's just like, what? Oh, my. And, like, the entire premise of that plot is, like, okay, Cloud needs to disguise himself as a woman so that he can get picked by a large <laughs> mafioso as, like, the target of getting raped. Oh, God. Like, I'm not going to say, like, cross-dressing or anything is inappropriate for children, but I am going to say the reason for it is. Yeah. Uh, so how's that yeah. whole sequence going to work out in the remake? Uh, they've actually, like, it's been... Honeybee Manor has been brought up over and over. There's two things we know about it. Nomura seems attached to the sequence of, like, Cloud actually, like, you having to go and get, like, the dress and the wig for for Cloud to disguise himself. But he has admitted that Honeybee Manor is probably going to need to be altered in some fashion. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Honeybee Manor was always kind of extraneous to that plot. I don't remember what you actually find there. The wig, I seem to recall, you find from one of the bodybuilders at the gym... The dress you just get at the dress store, I don't remember what you actually get at Honeybee Manor. Yeah, I don't remember either. So, like, it's probably possible that they can... Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Honeybee Manor is still there, but you see, like, a closed for renovations sign or something like that. <laughs> like, something that makes it clear that, yes, we do remember that this was there in the past. No, we can't get away with it, but here's a cute reference to it. <laughs> Uh, honeybee or just make it something uh, non-offensive and absurdly funny. But then you'd be missing the point. Yes, yeah. Like there is true. no point in bringing back Honeybee Manor if it isn't like this ludicrous debauchery. <laughs> like the That's entire point is, oh, it's it. a weird, it's a weird brothel with a fixation on girls in bumblebee suits. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Final Fantasy Seven. Like you find that in a lot. Like it, it was just it was more odd in FF Seven. Like because they didn't have to cut anything for anyone. Like it, it doesn't seem to feel any responsibility to be grounded in any fashion. <laughs> like it's still it, because all the characters still look silly, so it doesn't feel the need to be grounded, and like. But it also, it doesn't have to conform to Nintendo standards, and it doesn't have to conform to size limitations. So it just has, like, this weird sense of just like, oh, you know, whatever. It's in there. You can't stop it. Just roll with it. Just 
Whatever, you know, man. You love it. Here's a road rash sequence. <laughs> it, it like it only just occurred to me like three seconds ago that like oh the sequence where you're combat racing on a motorcycle that's road rash. Yeah. That was popular at the time. That's road rash. <laughs> Here, have a snowboarding mini game. Oh man, that came back though. Both of those mini games have come back as cell phone games in Japan. That's sad. But that's back when they were like you played those off flip phone. Think about that. <laughs> oh, flip phones! Remember that time they ported they ported Sonic the Hedgehog one to iPod, like click wheel iPod. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> it was one of like seven games you could get for your iPod video, and it was just Sonic the Hedgehog. Like I forgot the whole games on the. The, like the click wheel iPhone was even a thing. There, well, there was no click wheel iPhone, but there was a quick click wheel uh, iPod. Yeah, iPod yeah, I mean, iPod. click wheel iPod. Like, yeah, like that and Miss Pac-Man, you're gonna have a good time. That that Sonic the Hedgehog port is still probably better than the Game Boy Advance one. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, uh, trying to think of like other just ludicrously like, what is this doing here? Yeah, uh, most of them it's just like oh Mugen Souls and it's like oh he said not any of those yeah like this is, <laughs> this is one that like I, I guess I'm surprised that it made it into a game from a publisher I would purchase games from and that's the ability to date Ken in Persona 3 Portable oh yeah that was um, that was the thing yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm a little uncomfortable with the things that we're yeah, doing here. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what else to say about that. That was bad. Yeah, that was, was one of those things where it's like, Persona 3 deals with a lot of, like, subjects, so, like, you you expect a lot of things, but, like, this, the, adding that was just like, huh, didn't, didn't expect that to be in there. I knew I figured there would be Ken S Link. I didn't expect that to be the conclusion that it took. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's another one where it's like the game is, you know, full of full of themes. I just didn't expect it to contain that one. Uh Yeah. There was that time the trauma center lectured me on the evils of euthanasia. That was weird. Yeah, like that sounds plot, pretty weird. There's like a subplot partway through where like some where like you you have to like this is not that surprising in the sense that it's a game about like anime doctors aimed at twelve year olds. But like there's a bit where it's like you you meet like this guy who's been illegally euthanizing people. And he's like, and, and like the entire point of doing this operation is to prove to him that no, every every disease is worth fighting. It's very strange. But Trauma Center was a game about like, oh, there's a spider in this man's heart. Fix it. <laughs> so like, I guess I don't get to be surprised at things that happen in that. Uh, oh, my brain is dying. Let me think of I, 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 you. You you improvise. Stretch. I'm gonna think. Well, I'm gonna use an idea factory game anyway. So uh, there's this game called crap. What the hell was even the name? 
Hyper Devotion Noir. Oh, Hyper Devotion Noir, Goddess Blackheart. Yeah, so... Why do I know this? Kill me. I don't please. know. Why do you know that? I've never played you it. Why do know I that. <laughs> Why do I know what that name is? I don't know. Kill me. Uh, so this this game, it's a turn-based strategy game. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a really good turn-based strategy game. Yeah, it's, it's made a, by Sting. Sting. Sting related. Um, but the whole plot essentially revolves around finding excuses to to uh, get into situations where they can create absurd uh, sexually charged images based on the main characters. That doesn't surprise me. It's hyperdimension. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't surprise... It, it just... It, <laughs> it still bothered you. The lengths it went to, like, the the turns and the stretches it went to to do this was just absurd. Like, there was an actual main plot, and it just went, like, off on random tangents just just because it's like, oh, oh, it's it's time for, you know, another... I, I suppose the surprise here... Nonsense. I suppose the surprise here is that they felt the need to attach a strategy RPG to that. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Like, in that sense, it's like... It seems like you're hitting conflicting audiences, because, like, you get, like... I'm sure that there is an audience that hits that cross-section, but it seems like you're actually repelling the other, like, like the other two parts of that Venn diagram, because, like, people that just want the, like, weird, silly pictures are going to, you know, be kind of irritated by the long, complex strategy battles, and the people that just want the long, complex strategy battles are going to be wondering what the garbage in between them is. Yeah. But it's... It's like that that happens a lot um i'm trying to think like i had something on the tip of my tongue where i was just like what is this doing here i suppose the japanese version of faith's like face rubbing is just like what is this what is this here for i don't quite get it yeah <laughs> but i didn't actually play that so i don't get to complain um well i played Fates, but i, I, played I did play it and i can tell you i have no fucking idea <laughs> Excuse the language, but... It's it's not an interesting facet. We've complained about this too much in the past to really go back to that well, but it's still one of those things where it's like, what is this doing here? I don't get it. I I think it's worth going back to complaints of it, because it makes no sense. It... It it has it serves no purpose. It's super it's tedious. Just... It it doesn't really like it doesn't work for the people that would want that, and it doesn't because it's super like there's you're not doing much, and it doesn't yeah. It's... Yeah, that's a, and really that 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 would definitely fit this because that's another thing that shocked me. Like it it makes it's it's not even like tantalizing. Like I, I thought the whole point was for it to be. Kind of frottage. Something. Something. Right? Something. Yeah. And it just. Is and then, not. like, oh, it's like, no, you're actually supposed to poke that woman's earring. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it's honestly one of the worst. I've called it this before, and I fully stand by the statement. It is the worst minigame I've ever seen produced by Nintendo. And so I've played strange. Mario Party games. Oh, man. Wheels wins by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's just... It's... it's Oh my god. Yeah. I guess in terms of inappropriateness... Oh, I suppose... Oh, I know what this what matches this. The entire experience of playing Sonic 2006. 
everything to do with that game's plot because it's so absurdly misguided and like you know everyone everyone listening to this knows what i'm talking about already or yeah. is blissfully ignorant and i don't want to go too far into it don't google it if you don't me. know do not google it run away but it's just like it's so like it, it, i i'm allowing it into this discussion because it seems like it wants an rpg plot yeah but it also wants to still be sanic doesn't know how to reconcile these two ambitions and fails miserably like every other aspect of that video game. Okay. Yeah. Here's another one. That ridiculous scene in uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. Oh, God. (laughs) There's so many scenes you could be talking about. Uh, I'm talking about the one where you're forced to, uh, like, off somebody for no real apparently good reason. That happens a lot, man. You it's, could be talking about any one of this point. Uh, it's like early on, and you have to like kill a woman or something because he's like oh, because he's because he's tired and old Dracula. He needs to drink blood. Uh, it, it, there's so many problems with that part too. Like, why is this interactive in the slightest? Yeah, it's like it's weirdly predat like it's predatory in a way that like they normally want like dracula in that game to be a sympathetic character you're playing as him like he is this sympathetic lens that the game goes through he's fighting satan he's like the the best of the cast in the game and he's still like a weird creep and it doesn't really like lords of shadow one and two and i don't go into this very often they have a really con a really odd relationship with women in the sense that like there's basically no woman that the protagonist meets that he doesn't murder at some stage um, does he murder the little girl vampire? He does. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn. In one of the DLCs, I think, but yeah. I didn't think he did. Oh, no, that's, uh, now I remember what happens. He's, like, di- like, he's like dying or something, and he, she makes her makes him drink his blood or something. There's some, drink, yeah, it's, and it's that's one of how those, he becomes a vampire. Yeah, and the entire thing is just, like, you know, at some point, I have to wonder, every single one that's a little questionable what what happened here you got some issues you're working through scriptwriter yeah and that's another thing from that first game like finding out that oh he's the he is actually the one that murdered his own wife yeah which every every single woman he comes into contact with <laughs> murdered. It, it was shocking but i don't necessarily think it really fits in this, this description because it 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 made sense in the context of the plot uh, kind of. That to one some does. Extent. Some of the other ones, not so much. They just sort of most, happen. Most of the other ones, no. That that one, because it fits into the whole thing with, uh, I forget the old guy's name, being Patrick behind... Patrick Stewart, which is yeah, Colin Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart being, and being the bad guy. Yeah. Zobek, I believe, is his name. Why do I remember that? Kill me! Because <laughs> it's Patrick um, Stewart! Come on! Yeah, but I should just remember Patrick Stewart, not Zobek. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, like, and then he reveals himself that he's actually secretly death, but whatever. Like, that that was just, yeah, oh man, how did we get here? This uh, is a bad scene. Uh, Let's move on to something. Yeah, well, we got one more question, so why don't we just go to that (coughs) before I lose my voice. Uh, this is from Strawberry Eggs. I may have asked something like this previously, and if I did, disregard it. Well, I'm not going to check, so we're just going to read it anyway. Yeah. What are some RPGs that you thought 
What are some RPGs that you thought was middling or even disliked, but thought had potential? Perhaps you want to see these games improved upon in a sequel. Mm. And I note that she... Just her signature mentions Bravely Second, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice to see that franchise become something I can enjoy. I'm willing to try Bravely Second. People swear to me it's better, but I kind of want it to be cheaper. Meh. Um... Let's see. I just can't muster any sort of care. Can't muster any sort of enthusiasm. No. Like I, I want a game. I want them to make games that are good. Okay, but let's let's not turn this into a default. Everyone knows what we think I of this. I want an actual sequel to Four Heroes of Light instead of. All right, let's move on. Well, that's a, that is actually within within scope though, because it's like it's a game that's interesting and it does some things right, but I think it could be improved by a sequel. Yeah, I mean, I really like love that game, but it definitely uh, could use some improvements. Like uh, the the class system was way too rigid. Like having to use certain classes and kind of the limited nature. A very of, FF3 sort of class. Yeah, and the limited nature to upgrading classes. So I would love to see a sequel that kind of hewed more towards FF5. That could be something pretty awesome. Yeah. But that combat system was just. So nice. That that combat system to like every observance that I can make on it, having not actually played much of it, is oh that looks sort of like they're really trying to get people who were nostalgic for like FF three in particular. Well, mm, and that it's like a big deal game in Japan. Sure, but, but the the so the whole like not using MP and using, I forget even what it was called, and it's been so long since I've played it. Does it use spell charges? I hope it uses spell charges. It uses some, so, you obviously haven't played that much of it. It uses, like, a completely non-traditional system. Dude, I played, I probably played it on (laughs) Arendel, like, ten years ago, so. So, you have to, like, you have to, like, spend turns charging up to be able to use more powerful abilities, and puts much more an emphasis on like strategy and defense than it does mm-hmm. kind of just spamming your most powerful attacks. It's basically like the complete opposite of Bravely Default, where you could just say, yeah, I'm going to use all my turns right now. Because you won't survive to punish me for it. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's not even the issue I have with Bravely Default. Like, I just... just... Yeah. We'll, we'll not go with that. Let's talk about things yeah. that are... Well, I was just saying, honestly, my main issues with Bravely Default was, like, the story and the cast and just... Yeah, I just, I just hate everyone that opens their mouth. Um, yeah. And, it, and yeah, I hate everyone that opens their mouth. And it's got a tail skit system, as if I want to hear them talk more. Yeah, and it's just going to sit there in the corner saying, hey, you're missing stuff. You could be hearing more of Tiz having no personality <laughs> and I don't remember what female lead's name is. Agnes? Is it Agnes? It might be Agnes. It's, um... Who cares? Uh, and you can listen to Ring a Bell having the one personality trait and that personality trait is pervert. <laughs> and you can listen to Idea also having one personality trait but a slightly more endearing one of likes cake. Hmm. But, uh... And you could listen to the sound of the cartridge hitting the counter as you traded in at your I local can't, game, GameStop. I can't, because I bought it digital. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, 
trying to think. Like, there's a lot of Final Fantasy spinoffs that sort of went nowhere that could probably do with a sequel, but, like, I don't... I can't think of any at the moment. I think Final Fantasy Explorers, if... could use... There's something... There's something you could do there. Like... Yeah, like, the concept of Final Fantasy Monster Hunter is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, just the execution they came up with is... Meh. But yeah, I'd love to see another try at that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I feel like anything that I would classify as, like, a try-ace failure would probably be interesting with a sequel. Mm. Like, just to just to pull a, a random one out, uh, what was that for Connect Box 360? Infinite Undiscovery. Like, I had kind of an interesting idea of, like, have a bunch of people all running around at the same time, all fighting in, like, a really chaotic fashion... And then, like, it doesn't really use that idea, and, like, I don't know, I like the idea of fighting the man in the moon, but that's not enough to save it. Man in the moon. Man not in that, the moon. Not, oh, wait, not sorry. So much, sorry. Not so much. <coughs> the, uh, not the REM song. Um, I'd love to see a Blue Dragon 2, because... That's another one. Like, really, <coughs> like, Sakaguchi's output in on like the xbox 360 generation could all basically do with like this would have been interesting if there was more of it yeah i should try the last story i've heard that one's real good but and i have it sitting around but i still haven't played it it is good um yeah blue dragon has a really nice combat system but i want to launch the entire cast into the sun like blue dragon is super frustrating because it's like it's two-thirds of chrono trigger's development team Mm. Like well, the the dream team around Chrono Trigger, I should say. Like it's it's Sakaguchi teaming up with Akira Toriyama, and that's already a really good combination. And they're using the FF5 battle system, and it sucks. <laughs> how did you do this? Poo snakes. Like, that's how you did it. Poo that's snakes. Not even, like that's not even the problem. The poo snakes are probably one of the best parts of the game. <laughs> yeah, like the monsters are not the problem. The music is not the problem. It's just like the game just doesn't come together in a way like it doesn't have the immediacy and snap of like earlier of like the SNES era where they're like having to okay we we can't just let this in we can't leave this in just because we made it right and that's like I I had a friend link me to like a Shmopulations translation check out Shmopulations if you want to hear read like interviews from Japanese developers from back when these games were new and germane but like uh like they talked about apparently like cutting things out of Chrono Trigger that were basically done like the infamous one Singing Mountain because you know that track is on the uh, official soundtrack but the dungeon is not in the game Mm. and it was like it wasn't just space constraints although that was definitely a problem because like they were having to deal with uh wanting to make all sorts of stuff but also having to deal with yuji hori's verbose writing style but like they they the 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 thing about it was that like they cut stuff out because it was like there, there was a point in the game's development where they were like maybe they they contemplated the idea of cutting it down so much to the marrow that you could finish it in eight hours. Hmm. And, like, that that was an interesting, like, experiment because it, like, forced them to cut out, to really evaluate, <coughs> is this good enough to keep? We made it, but is it actually worth the time we spent on it, and is, does it contribute to the final product? 
And, like, Blue Dragon never really asks that question, and I think that's what makes it fail. Yeah. Well, and just going back to it, the main cast blows. At least... Main cast blows! Part of the reason they blow is because all the situations they're in, they're just being boring, rather than, like, cutting them down to a really obvious, like, archetype. Every character in Chrono Trigger or F5 is cut down to a very specific archetype. But there is one particular character in Blue Dragon that put into any situation whatsoever makes you want to rip your hair out. Are you thinking of the yellow guy, or is he the main character? No, I am thinking of the yellow guy. Of course you're thinking of the yellow guy. You hate him. He is... But every RPG has a mascot character. It's just that in Chrono Trigger, it's Frog. Yeah, he's the worst mascot character ever. I know, I'm just saying, conceptually, the problem is that, like, they didn't come up with a strong thing for him other than, is the yellow guy. (laughs) Shouts a lot. Oh, it's just... No, no. Looks like he's wearing a uh, strainer on his head. If they did a sequel, the mascot character should be... um... A poo snake. Um, no, yeah, a poo snake with uh, Maro Maro on a pike. Wow. I feel like, as you point out, there are <laughs> right, multiple blue dark. dragon. There are, are multiple blue dragon quote unquote sequel slash remakes. We don't speak of those. You don't want to talk about Blue Dragon Awakened Shadow? We don't speak of those. You don't want to talk about Blue Dragon Plus? No. Those made by Artoon. They were probably made by Artoon. Let's talk about Artoon's illustrious output. Oh, God. You want to talk about Pokemon Channel? I mean, what is that? You know what? No, that, no, let's, no, let's no I'm going to do this. Thing. We're going to talk oh, about God. this. Pokemon Channel <laughs> is, the game, is the, it's essentially the spiritual sequel to Hey You Pikachu, but less interactive. What the hell is Hey You Pikachu? Hey You Pikachu was an N64 game where you shouted at Pikachu and Pikachu didn't listen. That sounds like... that. Oh, God. All right. So... Like it was microphone activated? Pokemon Channel is a game where you watch Pikachu watch incredibly repetitive daytime TV. But where's the gameplay? There isn't. What? Occasionally, Pikachu steals your money to order garbage off the, off the TV. But, but, but... <laughs> That's all of it. The but... game's plot, such as it is, is can you fo- force yourself to watch all of the Pichu Brothers shorts? I don't Guess what your reward is? <laughs> I don't want to know. You get to watch all of them in a row. No, I don't want to. If you to. complete the game even more, Celipe comes and projects it onto the sky. I need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> the game is so scarcely interactive, it seems like it was made for, like, three-year-olds. It's very strange. Like, that would make sense, except that they sort of, like, they tried to sell it to Pokemon fans in, like, Japan and Europe because, like, fully completing it in Japan and Europe allowed you to transfer a Celebi to Ruby and Sapphire. Hmm. And it's like, I can't... Scarcely interactive. Zero out of ten. There's my review. Um, And... Uh, like, okay, things that could use a sequel. I don't think Pokemon Channel could use a sequel. Absolutely couldn't use a sequel. Uh, I don't know. I played scads of, like, RPGs on the PS1 where it was like, you're almost there, and then you just just completely punted it. But, like, it'd be hard to list just one where it's like, uh... And, like, half of them got sequels that didn't fix anything. Yeah. 
Like that's that's also the thing is that like mentally my brain is straining out anything that got a sequel and the sequel sucked too. Because <laughs> like sometimes it'll be like this entire franchise cha- franchise is teetering on the edge of being good and then like it's just clinging to one or two bad ideas that make it basically unplayable to me. Uh, I would probably play any game with roguelike elements if they remove the roguelike elements. I'm that guy. <laughs> the dead man's party. Uh, I would play a sequel to Lunar Dragon Song that plays like Lunar One and Two instead of like Lunar Dragon Song. Hmm. <laughs> that's that's code for I would play a new Lunar game. Uh, I would play a version of Grandia Extreme where the characters weren't the worst in the world. Because Grandia Extreme is almost good. Like, that game is a dungeon... Grandia's battle system in a dungeon crawl makes sense, except for everything about everything that they added alongside it. Minus Mark Hamill's voice acting. Um, but not everyone else's. Everyone else's is garbage. Um, it's a dead man's party. Who could It's like I put a lot of these games out of my head. It's like, ah, oh, I've wa- I, like I've wasted like most of these things. If I'm gonna discard them, I've already wasted like ten hours and fifty bucks on them. So, uh, it's a dead man's party. You could ask for what you've been playing. We all still keep thinking about this. Pokemon Moon. Uh, how's that going for you? I'm jealous. Good. <clears throat> and I just beat uh, uh, Pokemon X as well. Yeah, you finally got around to it. Yeah. It's the first Pokemon game I've beaten in quite a while, and I enjoyed it. Decades. Yeah. 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 I enjoyed it quite a lot. So. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. I'd be playing FF15 if, it had, if I had it. Okay, um, but no, I've actually been playing both versions of Lunar 2 in tandem. You know, that's weird. That's awesome. the dumb thing that I do. <laughs> like, oh, I need to play all of these. I can't just play one thing. It has to be like a series of things. I have to pretend to myself that I'm writing some sort of academic paper about the very minute differences. Because Lunar 2, both versions are pretty similar. Like, pretty really similar. Yeah. No, I do some stuff like that too. Like I bought a bunch of Sonic the Hedgehog games, except I'm oh, actually man. playing all those. Just At weird. least all of those are like two hours long. True. Uh, both versions of Lunar Two are like thirty. Ugh. Um. I just finished. I, I'm just about to finish the first disc of Lunar Two on PS One, and I'm. Bought I'm another copy of Skyrim. Oh man. Give you don't even like that. Can I give it another shot? I have to give it the I have to give it the old college shit. Why didn't you just get the Switch version? Because we don't even know if that's actually going to happen. We d- we do. They they've said it's happening. I thought they poo pooed it. 
Like, Todd Howard sure didn't act like this. Like, I was reading an interview on Glixel, which is a new site by a guy who's always done good sites in the past. Uh, John Davison, one of my favorite uh, writers about video games ever. Uh, he's heading that one up. But there's an interview on Glixel where he sure acts like it's a product they intend to release. All right, well, I got it for half off anyway, and I need to try and give it another and get into it because the one the I mean the one time I really tried to play it it was the PS3 version and yeah that was insanely buggy but yeah no like the way he put it was this is the first time we're working on a Nintendo system since Home uh, Home Alone on the NES nice it's Bethesda Softworks first release product nice fuck that game excuse my language fuck that game no no we're we're already uh I think we get three of those before we get put in the R-rated section. How many was that? Uh, two. I think I swore earlier. Yeah, you did. That's why I'm saying in total we're at two. Oh, but I just I just used it twice. Oh, I didn't hear it the second time because I was oh. talking over you. Okay. Yeah. I so... think that might count as a bleep. It's like it's like uh, Yippie Kaye in Die Hard Four. Well, to be safe, we'll say we hit our limit. We're good boys who don't swear constantly. Um, uh, the year is almost out, Wheels. What games are still on your queue? Well, I just bought a copy of Dirge of Cerberus. I'm going to stream that what? For, for no reason whatsoever. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm angry at you. <laughs> guess what? I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, that's going to be great. I hate you. Uh, let's see what else. Invert, doesn't that invert horizontal aim? Uh, that's you how can, you can tell it was made by monsters. You you can use the normal aim. Okay, that's it may default it I may think. default to inverse, but yeah, you can use normal aim. That's sad um, to say that that's better than I thought. Got Shante coming up soon. I think yeah, that's the last major release, other than you know some random 3DS titles like Mario Maker and Yoshi's Island. Uh, 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 Yoshi and Poochie's Willy World is February. Is it February? I thought that was... No, well, whatever. Uh, so yeah, Mario Maker. Um, uh, I feel like there's something else I'm missing. I'm getting Dead Rising 4. I need that. Yeah, I'll probably try that at some point. Probably not until the new year. Uh, but uh, I'll have it. We can play it together. I feel like some, some game that we never thought was going to come out. The Last Guardian? Yeah. I I I don't know whether I care. Like I feel like I have to play it because it's been so long. <laughs> yeah. I I I have a feeling it's going to be good. I just I have a feeling it's going to be disappointing if you've actively been waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> like I have not really been act- actively waiting for it. It's just like Yeah. I I literally piece... gave up on it coming out like yeah. 3 years ago. So I, like, I, think, I think at the very least it'll be interesting because although, you know, looking back at my time with Shadow of Colossus, the game made me feel like the worst human being. It was interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it was the intended feeling. It's true, which is... I don't really know how to feel about that. I, I have a tendency to sort of, like, feel a bit... Like... Media's intent is to... It's to touch your emotions, but I feel like any 
situation where a game gave me no choice and then yells at me for what its objectives told me to do and that I had no other choice other than turn off the game I paid money for, I feel a little, like, cheated. Like, you don't get to lecture me about that. You didn't yeah, give me options. I can see that viewpoint, but it feels like kind of the intended purpose was to play on the whole idea that, you know, you fire up a video game and you're the good guy and you don't really question it. The problem is that, like, so the it, game... I guess I guess for me, and the issue that I had was that, to me, it felt so nakedly obvious that the Colossi weren't doing anything. That, and because I had no connection to Wander, or I don't remember if the girl has any sort of official n- name that she's referred to as. I think she does, but I can't recall what it is because the game basically never says it. Because I felt no connection to him, I just like, yeah, look at this asshole. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's something that definitely could have been improved upon. It, f- it felt like it needs some kind of prologue to set the stage instead of. It's kind one of, of those situations where, it. like, the minimalism works <laughs> against it. It can't really feel like that. I can't really invest in that story personally because, like, the minimalism doesn't allow me to invest in anything. And, like, it's so nakedly obvious that, like, you kill one of these things and the game does this long dramatic pan as this majestic creature is wiped from the face of the earth, this unique being that will never appear again. And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you want me to feel awful. And, like, I'm sad that that thing died, but at the same time, it's like, you didn't give me a choice in this. I think it took me a few before it started feeling like, okay, what, this feels wrong. Once you get to the, once you get to the ones that are obviously animals... Yeah. Where it's like it's like, oh, you basically just stabbed a goat in the head. Yeah, Hope think, you feel good about that, bro. I think like there's like a at least a first view where it's just like, oh, this like relatively creepy looking monster. Yeah. It it kind of hit me too early, I guess. So it was just like, uh, yeah, I know where this is going. I know how this ends. Like I'm taught, like I'm getting my or- orders from Space Satan. But yeah, yeah, it, I I can see you know it's it's, it's a good I, I idea. Guess, it just the execution is not as good as it could have been. Like it, like it's supposed to be a fable, but like trying to wrap the player in that morality tale doesn't really feel like it works for me. Uh, like I, it, I guess part of it is also like I was the guy that really liked Eco, that was looking forward to Eco before it came out, loved Eco with every fiber of my being. And then, like, was disappointed because Shadow of the Colossus, to me, wasn't as good as Eco. I still need to play Eco. Like, the the thing that frustrates me, because I am that hipster, is that, like, whenever Eco and Shadow of the Colossus comes up, people complain about, oh, the combat in Eco is terrible, and it's like, it's, it's not supposed to be great. It's supposed to be, like, the, a little boy waving a stick at some shadows. Yeah, but at the same time, like, there's tons of stuff in Shadow of the Colossus that is bad on purpose. Like, there's tons of aspects of Wander's controls that are stilted on purpose. Aggro is difficult to control on purpose, but no one like goes after that game for like, man, these controls are bad on purpose. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was just me ranting. No, that's okay. It's. <clears throat> You know, I think in criticism I see things like that a lot. Just kind of uh, hypocrisy, really. It's just uh, one of those things where it's like, and I can understand if you say, like, this is 
uh, like it's fine because I enjoy the rest enough to not care. But at the same time, to act like the flaw doesn't exist in the thing that you're excusing it from is a little like off-putting. Yeah. And I'm sure that I will hypocritically like do that hundreds of times before the day I die. But it's something that I notice when it's a situation where That's I care fine. deeply about. I it. think a lot of people do it, and it cognitive probably like some of us do. It's sometimes it's unconsciously done. There's probably a word for this kind of cognitive dis- dissonance, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, the it's just a thing where in a game that you really like, you you it's easier for you to spot while why something is the way it is and it's okay that it's the way it is so you know I, i'm assuming people that don't necessarily like eco uh kind of miss why um i forget what you said the the issues with people the, the combat is, is bad and it's yeah, bad because it's <laughs> right so they kind of miss that oh that's how that's the intent and they like shadow of the Colossus, and they recognize why some things are the way it is so uh, I yeah. I think it's just you know when a game resonates with us it's part of the reason is because you end up looking at it more holistically rather than seeing right. individual parts of it as flawed right but hey and the other true final game forever of this year the one that you have and I do not and let's not dance around it 15 something yeah, one of the Final Fantasy versus thirteen, I believe. <laughs> the fifteenth coming. Is that what they're calling it now? I remember that in one of the old trailers. Okay then, sure, let's do that. Um, it in looks the, really in the good. one where they announced that uh, it was no longer called versus thirteen. Oh yeah, 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 I forgot about that. Yeah. The, the, like that was in that. <laughs> such yeah. a weird statement that's such an Englishy statement yeah but yeah real excited very like looks real good I like the it looks like it has a lot of heart and that's what I feel like I've been missing for a while I beat a boss and one of the characters asked in a dry voice anyone dead <laughs> uh, that's really good yeah I'm excited uh uh, I can't wait to start. Uh, my brain is dying. Uh, yeah, it's finally out. Finally back to kick some tail. It's been a long time coming. And I think we should just end in talking about kind of the long journey to this game. Uh, like, <laughs> if you want, I can, I've can. i been tracking this game since its <laughs> announcement. Like, if you want, I can give you a too long discussion. Since 2006? 2005, bro. Was it 2005? Holy fuck! I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was announced in 05. Yeah, the, the thing that always comes to my mind is I really wonder when actual development started. Like we have fairly concrete early. accent. We have fairly concrete answers on that. When was it? So the game's development started in the wake of Kingdom Hearts 2. Like it's the, the original team for Versus 13 was the Kingdom Hearts 2 team. Okay. And it was going to be an action RPG, and like that's what those early trailers reflected. It was going to be a PS3 game. It's only going to be related to 13 in the sense that like the same cosmology related to it, and it was going to be a PS3 exclusive action RPG to and like it was going to stay that way to appease people who were very upset that, about Japanese honor and Final Fantasy 13. Um, Is that a real problem? Are you serious? 
people were like the the joke I was making was like the the guy the the infamous like neo gaff poster that screamed about how if you if you uh you know nothing about Japanese honor and people will not Japanese people will not accept Final Fantasy 13 coming out on two different platforms. Uh <laughs> let's talk about how Final Fantasy 1 came out on both the NES and M- MSX. Um but uh like so Final Fantasy thir- uh, Versus 13's development chugs along. It's generally sort of like held back. Like they, they keep recutting that initial trailer and slowly its development team starts getting siphoned off because Final Fantasy 13 is going very slowly and very poorly. Uh, Final Fantasy 13's development is afflicted primarily by the fact that Square is certain that it's going to launch pad an entire like engine licensing division off of it. They produce something <laughs> that at various points in its development is referred to as the white engine. Crystal, I believe it settles on crystal tools. And that was the engine that initially, the, I believe it powers Dragon Quest X. I believe it powers uh, Final Fantasy XIV and it powers Final Fantasy XIII and it powers basically nothing else. Because by the time they finished making the engine, they realized that it wasn't actually that useful for making anything else. It wasn't really designed to make anything else. But, like, they ran into issues with the engine, like... Because that engine was also supposed to power power versus 13. So, uh, naturally, they ran into issues with the engine. By the time the Final Fantasy 13 became obviously way behind schedule, because, like, when it was announced, it was supposed to come out, like, a year later. And that would have been, like... 2007 huh. like early in the ps3's lifetime it didn't come out until like 2010 uh the game's obviously not fit to ship like they start pulling people off of every other team they can imagine and eventually the versus 13 development team is dissolved sometime in 2007 and there's no progress on versus 13 for years and years at that point like because they're you know they're all working on other things like there's like nomura goes off to go work on like oh, a bunch of Kingdom Hearts spinoffs, like, World Ends With You, that sort of thing, because, like, well, what am I going to do? Uh, and so the Versus 13 team just sort of, like, gets dissolved into the 13 team. There's an infamous, like, post-mortem at, like, one of the GDCs where Motomu Toriyama just sort of talks about how 13 had tons and tons of artists just making stuff because <laughs> they had a vague idea of what kinds of things that the Crystal Tools could do, and they had tons and tons of people working on it, trying to make stuff that they could use in the final game for whenever they were ready to stitch it together. And then they had no idea how the game was going to play. And so the thing that finally forced them to decide, okay, how does Final Fantasy Thirteen play, is Square saying, no, you're going to put a demo of this on the Advent Children Complete Blu-ray release. It has to have, there has to be some gameplay by that point. And so they, like, were forced to look at what they had and stitch together a game based off of that. So from about 2007 to 2010, there's no one working on it. Uh, Then in early 2011-ish, they start, like, putting putting a new team together to work on Final Fantasy Versus 13 again. And just as they're starting to work on it, they're realizing... This console generation is almost over, and the engine we were going to make this in is useless. Let's just move it over. Let's just start working under the assumption we'll be moving to new consoles. So they start working on their Versus 13 action RPG for next generation systems uh, with, like, you know, 
don't know what engine they were using at that point. Like, the final version uses, like, various parts of the Luminous engine that Square has made itself and Unreal Engine 4. Uh, and they just start working on it. Like, okay, what concepts are we keeping? What concepts are we not keeping? Uh, they, they kept a fair bit, but, like, you know, they're working on it as an action RPG. It's still a spinoff. It's still Versus 13. Then, like, it, the decision start like, if you remember at that time, there were rumors, like, Versus 13 has either been cancelled or it has been turned into Final Fantasy 15, and there's no statements on the game for, like, years at that point. Yeah. So no one has any idea what it is. But the game, the current incarnation of the game's development starts in, like, 2011, when they are trying to make stuff in the hopes of releasing it on a next-gen system. I would imagine that at some point in late 2011, they probably uh, started to see early idea, like maybe early 2012, they probably started to see early ideas of what the dev kits looked like. Uh, and, you know, like then we start getting to, we're off to the races of like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. I should probably start selecting engines. Uh, and like from there, once it gets turned into FF15, they have to redesign the combat again because in Nomura's own words from that time, like, once it becomes FF15 and it's no longer a spin-off, it can't really afford to not try to court the traditional Final Fantasy op- audience. There needs there are certain things that Final Fantasy audience expects, and so they start dialing back some of the more spin-off-y aspects. They try to make it more RPG. Like, it's still kind of an action RPG, but, like, looking at the final product, it is much less of an action RPG than it seems to have originally been conceived as. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that that's sort of, like powers the development for the next like four years so like while final fantasy 15 has this reputation of like oh they you know they took forever like what were they doing with all that time and it's like well most of that time they weren't working on it like that stuff from 2005 2006 wasn't going to be usable in 2011 yeah and you know once they hit 2011 it's like oh well we have to decide what like technology will power the game and we need to release it on a new platform whose specs we don't completely know yet so, like, all in all, the actual development time of the game is probably about four years, which is long, but it's hardly, like, stupendously long in this cl- in the current climate. No, not at all. <sighs> and in that time, the game switches director as Nomura, having, like, essentially set the tone for what the game will be, is pulled off to go work on the two projects that have much less direction, Kingdom Hearts 3 which, well, that series is his baby, and Final Fantasy VII Remake, which he apparently didn't realize he was director of until they told him he was. <laughs> huh. Like, the, the story he told when the game was announced was he worked on the treatment with Yoshinori Kitase and, I believe, Kazushige Nojima, where, like, they, they made the design document and worked on, like, the treatment of, like, how is this going to work on modern systems? And then, like, they all submitted it, and then he got it returned to him with him labeled as director, and he's like, okay, I wasn't told about this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, and so that's basically the long, weird history of FF15's development. It's kind of sad that, like, you see a lot of, like, discussion of it that that comes off as, like, as though there's no information about this, but there's actually... If you want to actually look for it, there's a lot of information that implies aspects about it even before we saw them. There's, like, interviews with Nomura from, like, 2007 where he's like, yeah, I've been... I played a lot of, like, 
Western like shooters like Gears of War, I really like the way that they delivered plot by having characters talk to each other while they're doing things, or like, uh, and and just sort of like the pacing of like element to element instead of like this this segregation of plot and dungeon and yeah like the, this sort of wandering versus continuous action and then like there's statements from early in the development where he's like I really want to make a game with a broad horizon where there's a lot to explore because I found myself really liking these sort of exploratory aspects of like seeing a real world unfold and it's like oh all these things we're seeing in FF15 like they they were always supposed to be in there like the design the design vision behind the game is actually pretty consistent. Mm. It's interesting. Like for for a game that we thought we knew so little about, if you were if you knew where to look, there were things that could have told you the game we're seeing. <sighs> and then of course there's there are some hilarious <laughs> anecdotes. There was there was a period after seeing Les Misérables where where Nomura wanted to turn the game into a musical, but it was decided that there was no way to do that with the amount of time that it was going to take. I would totally play that. A Final Fantasy musical is actually a really good idea. Yeah. Uh, just because melodrama is basically the series' stock and trade, so making a game that trades on that makes sense. God, there's so many cool things they can do with that. Yeah. No, I, I would actually adore Singing that. Singing combat. Oh, man, think about it. Just add in theater rhythm. Uh, but yeah, like... FF15, like, as is probably clear at this point, I'm actually a really big fan of Nomura as director. I think he's a really, like, he has a really strong vision for the interplay between action gameplay and RPG gameplay and what makes both of them interesting. Mm. And so, like, I do actually get kind of bent out of shape when people are like, oh, look at that guy making his silly characters and, like, how did this game take so long? He must be incompetent. It's like, eh, not really. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances that really can't be put at his feet. Yeah. Not by any stretch. Yeah. But, hey, it's finally out. And by all accounts, it's quite good. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully, hopefully by the time that this goes up, I will... Like, I will have already had to say egg on my face. They shipped it to me when they said they would. Hopefully. Not good wood. There's no wood in the house. Oh, wait, here's some. Done and done. All right. Thank you for allowing me to vomit <laughs> forth words. Anytime. All right. It's time to wrap this up. Because <coughs> uh, it's a good thing you could talk because my voice is starting to fail. So, I, I apologize for keeping you on this long. No, no worries. Um, all right. I think that was more than half an hour. I think that last rant might have almost been half. <laughs> uh, we're at ninety minutes, so it's about our. Kind u- of. It's it's our usual half hour show. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> Three half hours. Um, all right. But yeah, I'll I'll do the outro since your voice is dying. And don't forget uh, the year end stuff. Yeah, I was about to say okay. like. So, so we're we're starting to run dry on questions, and it's near the end of the year anyway. So, like any sort of year in review questions that you would like to send to us, we are happy to answer them. You can send them to Wheels at Ask Wheels on Twitter. You can put them in the thread. You can email him probably Wheels at RPGamer.com. I assume that is the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send them to me if you're crazy uh, at FanboyMaster on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I will try to respond, but he's the 
better, more congenial host, so it's probably better to send them to him, but it's fine. Uh, like, we're... It, Again, we're always interested in any kind of question, but in this case, we are particularly looking for things that are year-encompassing. Let's wrap this up in style, why don't we? Uh, that's about all she wrote. All right. Peace out, folks. Uh, there will be FF15 music in this episode. And I'm sure that at some point, like, <laughs> be sure to ask us all your FF15 questions. So yes, can... please. I'm sure we'll want to talk about it. And Pokemon Sun Moon as well, for sure. Yeah, Sun Oh, man, Sun Moon. Yeah. Or Pokemon in general. I'm a big Pokemon fan. Yeah. I like the pocket And, um, yes, uh, this is my request. If you know how to destroy a Lucario, please tell me, because I cannot beat my sister's uh, Y team. Please help me. <laughs> Someone who's good at the economy, please help me. Yes. This how family do, is dying. How do I destroy but, Lucario? Help me. Spend less money on candles. No. Okay. I, I hope that people who read at Drill will understand this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>